Appreciate that singing this morning. If you would, I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles. If you have a Bible with you, if you don't, there are Bibles in the chairs in front of you. If you don't know how to use a Bible, that's okay. You can just follow along. I will explain the verses that I'm going to share with you this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I would like you to just hold your places there this morning because I want to start out by doing something different this morning. And what I'm about to do may step on a few toes here. And I hope as I do so that I do so in love because that is certainly my intention. I rarely do something like this, but I think there is something in our culture right now that I think needs to be addressed in a church like ours. There is a very popular movie out right now called The Shack. The Shack is based upon the very popular book by Paul Young. And for me, because I have been here quite a while, this is deja vu, because back in 2007, I found myself having to make some of the same comments about uh, the book then, which has now sold over 20 million copies and has become a very popular film. And I just want you to know this morning that The Shack is based on completely false and unbiblical views of God. And as a church, we cannot, we cannot endorse it, nor can we approve of it because of its false teachings. We have two resources available for you out in the foyer at the Information Center. One is an article by Al Mohler, the president of Southern Seminary. The article is entitled, The Shack, The Missing Art of Evangelical Discernment where he talks about the inability of many Christians to discern truth from non-truth. There is a second article that we have out there for you, if you would like to avail yourself of it, and I realize some of you may not even know what I'm talking about this morning. For others of you, you may have friends, family members who have been very influenced by this book or by the movie. The second article we have is, What Does the Shack Really Teach?, by Tim Challies. His article is very interesting because he critiques Paul Young's most recent book called Lies We Believe About God. In his book, Lies We Believe About God, Paul Young basically takes to task people like us, those who believe in a biblical view of God. He says we have believed a lie about God we have believed a lie about salvation. We have believed a lie about hell. Paul Young is a universalist. He believes that everyone will ultimately end up in heaven. He believes that all religions will ultimately lead to heaven. And he does not believe that you need to ask Christ to come into your life because you have always had Christ. Christ has been in you ever since you were born. Those are the common, typical beliefs of a universalist. And Tim Challies does a very good job of exposing what Paul Young really 
believes. And this is what it says near the end of the article. And I just want to read it for you. Tim Challies writes, This book is a credo for false teaching, for full-out heresy. I do not say this lightly, I do not say it gleefully, but I do say it confidently. Christian booksellers should be utterly ashamed to sell this book or any other by its author. Christians should not subject themselves to his teaching or promote his works, for he despises sound doctrine that leads to salvation and advocates false doctrine that will only ever lead away from God. Tonight, I am going to share with you again about wisdom and how we desperately need to hunger and thirst for the wisdom of God and to be a discerning and wise people. In our culture, truth is dying. And if the church does not speak truth, if the church does not speak the wisdom of God into our culture, no one will. No one will. And when we lack wisdom and discernment and buy into things that are clearly false, clearly unbiblical, we do a disservice not only to ourselves, but to our entire culture. So I just wanted to share that with you. And now what I want to do is get into the passage of Scripture that I want us to look at. Last Sunday and this Sunday, we are getting ready for next Sunday. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. It is Resurrection Sunday. And we, because Easter falls so late this year, we have an unusual opportunity to kind of have an, an approach, uh, a preparedness before we get there. And so last Sunday morning and evening and this Sunday morning and evening, I am talking about the wisdom of God and the cross of Christ. The wisdom of God that is found at the cross of Christ. Last Sunday morning we looked at verses 6 through 9. This morning we are going to look at 1 Corinthians 2 verses 10 through 16. Let me just read that for you to begin the message. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth says these things. Excuse me, talking about the wisdom of God. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind 
of Christ. Well, our first point this morning is a review from last week. I think it is important to just go back over what I shared with you last Sunday morning and Sunday evening. As I mentioned in our approach to Easter Sunday, I want us to see the inseparable link between the wisdom of God and the cross of Christ. At the cross, we see God's divine plan to save sinners and to implant his new life in them. And I say to you this morning, as I did last week, if you want to be a wise person, go to the cross of Christ. Sit at the cross of Christ. Meditate upon the cross of Christ. For in that you will see the great wisdom of God, and in that you will become a wise person. And I believe that any Christian can become wise. You may never have finished high school. You may come from an abusive background. You may not have grown up in the church, but I say to you, if you will come through God's word to the cross of Christ, you can become one of the wisest people on the face of the earth. It is available to every single one of you, and I want you to rejoice in that, and I want you to see it as one of the great challenges of your life. You can be wise beyond anything you ever imagined that you could be. I shared two verses with you last week from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We looked at 1 Corinthians 1.18 where Paul says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For those of you who are saved who know Christ, who have been born again, the cross is the power of God in your life. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, we saw that Paul says, it is because of him, because of God, because of God's work in your life that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become to us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. I want you to know this morning that your holiness is a gift from God. Your holiness is found in Christ alone. Your righteousness is found in Christ alone. Your redemption is found in Christ alone. And your wisdom is found in Christ alone. In Christ, he has become our wisdom from God. And so Christ crucified is the power of God and Christ crucified is the wisdom of God. And if we are to be truly wise women and men, we must put aside the thoughts we grew up with about wisdom. Wisdom does not come from education. You can have a PhD or an MD and still be very unwise. Wisdom does not come from life experience. You can have all kinds of life experience and still be very unwise. Wisdom does not come from age. You can be in your 80s or 90s and be a very unwise person. Wisdom does not come from wealth. Wisdom does not come from power. And I shared last Sunday night that it's interesting over the years. I have read about people who have been on a quest for wisdom. 
Sometimes they travel the world. They want to go to different countries and different cultures. And they think, if I could visit all these different countries and all these different cultures, surely I will be a wise person. Sometimes young people go off and they join the Peace Corps. Sometimes we think, well, I'll just interview people. I'll interview a lot of elderly people or people from different walks of life, and then I'll be a wise person. And I want to say to you this morning that there may be some good in all of those things, but that is not where wisdom is found. It is not found in any of those things. Wisdom comes from understanding, believing, and living out the truth of the cross of Christ. Wisdom comes from understanding, believing, and living out the cross of Christ, the truth that is found. Folks, I will say to you this morning, all of the Bible really flows to or flows from the cross of Christ. The Old Testament looks forward to it. The New Testament looks back to it. All the wisdom of God is found right there. Last Sunday night, I shared with you that God designed to glorify himself by saving undeserving sinners through the sacrifice of his one and only son. You want to glorify God? Understand the cross. Because at the cross, we see the glory of God. The cross answers the great dilemma of all of the universe. How can a holy God how can a holy God show mercy and kindness to sinful people while remaining holy? How can it be? How can we bridge this gap between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of men and women? And the answer, the glorious, wonderful, spectacular answer is found at the cross of Christ. Because at the cross... God poured out his full wrath and judgment upon the sins of people and then went and took the full wrath and judgment and put it on himself. Christ stood in our place. He became our substitute. God didn't hold back any of his wrath or judgment. He took it all upon himself at the cross. And I submit to you this morning that the cross of Christ is the most glorious reality in the universe and it is the pinnacle of the wisdom of God. How can it be, how can it be that God would die in our place on the cross? I also shared with you last Sunday night that the cross of Christ represents the wisdom of God because in it, it calls the Christian to die daily to self. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So every day, I die to myself. I die to all of my thoughts about human wisdom. I die to my self-reliance. I die to my self-dependence. I die to myself trying to figure out all my problems and solve all my issues, and I give myself daily to Christ 
and marvel at all he accomplished for me and continues to accomplish in me through his cross. And then finally, last Sunday night, we looked at verse 9, which says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And again, I say this with great carefulness. But this is one of the most misinterpreted and misapplied and misunderstood verses in the New Testament. Verse 9 is not a verse about heaven. I know it is often taught that way. We find it on plaques at bookstores. We find it in greeting cards. No eye has seen, no, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And we're awaiting the great glories of heaven. Well, we are awaiting the great glories of heaven, but that's not what this verse is talking about. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and you read it in context, you will see it has nothing to do with heaven. To say that verse 9 refers to heaven is really to pull it completely out of context. But I want to say to you this morning, it's a great verse. It is an amazing verse. It is a verse that you ought to say hallelujah about because what it is saying is this. No human eye has seen, no human ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined the wisdom, the wisdom that God has prepared for us, for those who love him. God has given us insights and wisdom and understanding that is not available to the non-Christian, to the unbeliever. And this wisdom is so glorious and so great that the natural man, the natural woman, their eyes and their ears and their minds simply cannot understand the greatness of the wisdom that is ours in Christ. That brings us to our second point this morning. as a long introduction. But we come to this morning, and that is a gift from God, our second point. I want you to know this morning that the wisdom of God is not a product of the human mind. The wisdom of God is a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's not something that I go out there and try to find in the world. The wisdom of God is mine because I belong to Christ. And through the Holy Spirit, I can dive into his word and see truths that are wonderful and are opened to my spirit-enlightened mind. True wisdom was not invented by man. It cannot be attained or discovered by human means. The great author and thinker G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton once said this about the wisdom of God. I won't call it my philosophy, for I did not make it. God made it, and it made me. So, and here's kind of the heart and soul of what I want to share with you this morning. By the mercy of God, by the mercy of God, you see things and you understand things that non-Christians do not see and understand. You do. You see things and you understand things 
that the non-Christian does not see nor understand nor can they because you have the Holy Spirit. You have the wisdom of God. As I shared last Sunday night, when your unbelieving, unsaved friend, family member, co-worker hears you talking about the Bible or hears you sharing the gospel and they say to you, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't understand it. I want you to know they're being honest with you. They don't get it. They don't see it. They don't understand it. Because you have the Holy Spirit and they don't. And that is why, folks, we must make the gospel of Jesus Christ everything. We must take the gospel to the people of our community and to the nations of the world because until they are born again, until they are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, they don't get it. They don't see it and they don't understand it. They need Christ. They need his Holy Spirit. This is the whole point of 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2. That we have the wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand something very, very important here this morning. You are not wise because you are better than those non-Christians. You are not wise because you are smarter than those non-Christians. You are not wise because you are superior to them. You are not better. You are not smarter. You are not superior by the mercy of God, you have been given the Holy Spirit. And for that reason alone, you see and understand things they do not. I want to take just a moment here and work through verses 10 through 16 with you. I want to read them together because there is a logical flow and there is a supernatural flow to Paul's statement here, to his argument that he is making to the, the church at Corinth. Now, in verse 7, which we looked at last Sunday night, verse 7 says, But we impart, notice this, a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood this. Verse 9, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. His wisdom. And then he says this, these things, this wisdom, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Now notice in your Bibles that Spirit has a capital S. That means it's the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God. The Holy Spirit knows what God is thinking. Verse 12 don't miss it. Grab onto it. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, 
so that, so that, it says that, but it means so that we might understand the things freely given us by God. This secret and hidden wisdom. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. We can speak wisdom to one another because we have the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, absolutely critical verse for evangelism and just for understanding your unsaved friend or family member or coworker. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. Some translations have, for they are foolishness to him. And please don't miss this, he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. In other words, we have the Spirit of God. We judge one another and God judges us, but really the unsaved world has no right or basis to evaluate us. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? I just want you to hold on to that last sentence. We're going to come to it in just a little bit. I want you to see that in the cross of Christ, the world looks at it and says, that is so foolish. Right, you're going to tell me that some guy died on a piece of wood over 2,000 years ago, and that's your salvation. Right. But what is foolishness and folly to them is for us the most precious truth in all of existence, in all of the universe. It is our life. It is our hope. Francis Chan said this about the wisdom of God and the cross of Christ. He writes, Would you... Would you have thought to rescue sinful people from their sins by sending your son to take on human flesh? Would you have thought to enter creation through the womb of a young Jewish woman and be born in a feeding trough? Would you have thought to allow your created beings to torture your son, lacerate his flesh with whips, and then drive nails through his hands and feet? And the answer is no, you would have never thought of that. I would have never thought of that. But God did. For it is his wisdom. A wisdom that can only be seen by means of the Holy Spirit. Here is the problem. Our human mind is finite and sinful. And therefore, we cannot see spiritual truths and spiritual reality apart from the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of God, we really see almost nothing. We can barely see beyond the ends of our noses. We live in the moment. You see, I am limited. I am finite. I can't really even tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. I can tell you kind of what I think might maybe happen tomorrow based on the pattern of life, but things may happen tomorrow that I have no idea about because I don't even really know what's going to happen this afternoon for sure. Things could happen that I'm not even aware of that will take me 
by surprise that will catch me completely off guard. So I am finite and I am sinful. But God, but God is infinite and he is holy and he is perfect and he is without sin. And so the question becomes, how do we bridge this massive gap between the finite and the sinful and the infinite and the holy? And the answer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bridges the gap between us and God. He brings down the thoughts of God to us. Folks, do you realize that when you open the word of God, you are reading the thoughts of God? You are reading the thoughts of one who is infinite and one who is holy. The Spirit crosses over the depth of our sinfulness and our finiteness to enable us to understand God. And folks, that is wisdom. That is wisdom. One of the great ministries of the Holy Spirit is called illumination. We call it the doctrine or the biblical teaching of illumination. It means for the Christian that when you read the word of God, the Holy Spirit illuminates your mind, turns on the proverbial spiritual light bulb in your mind, and you're going, wow. And even after many, many, many years of being a Christian, some of you open up the word of God and you say, I never saw that before. I've read that 20 times, but I've never saw, I've never seen that before. That's illumination. The word of God is a bottomless treasure. You can study it and study it and study it from now until the day you die. And I promise you, I guarantee you, you will continue to find new and glorious and wonderful truths in the word of God. The Bible is literally the revelation of God unveiled to us through the Holy Spirit. It is the revelation of God unveiled to us by the Holy Spirit, through his Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, I cannot understand the Bible. It takes the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit to make its truths clear and wonderful and precious to me. So at the very end, I come back to the very last sentence of this text. But we have the mind of Christ. Wow. Have you ever meditated on that before? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, I want to tell you what this does not mean and what it does mean. When it says we have the mind of Christ, it does not mean that we have the same exact mind of Christ in all of its fullness. In other words, Christ can see the beginning from the end. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows your attitudes. He knows your motives. He is looking deep in your soul even as we meet together. He knows all things. I don't, nor do you. That is not what it means when it says we have the mind of Christ. But what it does mean is this. It means that God, by his sovereign will, has chosen through the salvation of his Son and through the implantation of his Holy Spirit within human lives to make truths known to us, 
truths about him, truths about his relationship with us, truths about the future of the world, for example, that we find in the book of Revelation. We do not know all things, we do not know everything, but we can know. We can know those things that God has chosen to reveal to us and we can know them clearly and we can know them gloriously. And that's because we have the mind of Christ. I say to you again, you see things and you understand things that non-Christians do not. Let me try to wrap this up this morning. The wisdom of God is not ultimately based on intellectual comprehension. The wisdom of God is based upon spiritual submission. I come to the cross of Christ. I see God's glory. I see my sinfulness. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I invite, excuse me, I invite him into my life. He becomes my Lord. He becomes my Savior. His Holy Spirit opens up my mind, opens up my eyes, opens up my world. And I have the wisdom of God. And I submit to him every day, not trusting in myself. No, I do not trust in myself, but I trust in Christ and in him alone every single day. You see, the only way we can have the mind of Christ is by the mercy of God who reveals himself by his spirit through his word to our hearts. Let me say that again. That's a mouthful. The only way we can have the mind of Christ, the wisdom of God, is by the mercy of God who reveals himself by his Holy Spirit through his holy word to our hearts and we have the wisdom of God and it is found only in always the cross of Jesus Christ you want to be a wise woman you want to be a wise mom you want to be a wise man a wise father a wise husband wise wife you want wisdom to flow from your lips spend your life at the foot of the cross spend your life at the foot of the cross last Sunday night I shared with you one line from a song that we sing on a regular basis and that we're going to close with this morning it is how deep the father's love and in one line of that song, it sums it up so well. Everything I'm trying to share with you this morning. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection. That's it. That's it. I will not boast in anything. No human gifts, no human power, no human wisdom. But I'll tell you what I will boast in. I will tell you where I want to spend my life. I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. 
Let's pray together. Father, let us seek your wisdom at the cross. What the world sees as folly and foolishness, help us to see as the beauty and wonder and grandeur of God. Take us to the cross over and over again. For we pray these things in the name of our crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.